0: This has been a ride. It's been a time and a half. And then some. And we're not even getting paid for this. No, we're spending a lot of money doing it, actually. (laughs) (laughs) But it's fun. It is fun. We're having a great time, even though it doesn't sound like it most of the time. We sound tired because it's been a long day, and we've had so much fun that we're just exhausted. We're so tired. But you know what? we got to get this
1: episode out, so that's what we're going to do.
0: That's what we're doing. And by the way... This is Haunted or Hoax. And I am Kristen. And I'm Jennifer. Welcome. You're here. We're here too. We're we're here. <laughs> where are we? We where are we? Well, technically we're in Brunswick. But the trip was for Jekyll Island. Yes. And Jekyll
1: Island is about a two, three hour drive from me
0: a longer drive for you it was supposed to be five and a half but since there was traffic from midtown atlanta all the way to macon it turned into like a seven hour drive right and um everything was going fine
1: well except for your traffic (laughs) everything was going fine for me and then about 10 minutes before i arrived at the airbnb that we're staying in Um, the good people of the trolley tour that we were supposed to take on Friday night called me to cancel because nobody else was taking the tour.
0: So we... And that gave us so much time to figure out what the heck we were going to do since that would (laughs) be sole reason why we were taking that drive. Right. The guy was
1: like, look, the Saturday tour is sold out and... (laughs) You can take a dolphin tour. Or you can take a tour Sunday night. <laughs> and we are leaving Sunday, so none of those options worked. They did give us my money back, so that is something. Um, but yeah, so we we went on our own sort of walking ghost tour of Jekyll. Kind of just, I read where the stops were
0: on the trolley tour. Yeah, we did a self-guided tour, essentially. And now we're bringing it to you. Yes. It was it was a good time. And I had no idea that Jekyll had like this much history. Yeah, yeah. So like I think we mentioned
1: before, I went to Jekyll for like a fifth grade field trip. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't really remember a lot. So a lot of the things that you're probably going to tell me, I knew in my kid brain but don't know in my adult brain.
0: Yeah, I uh did not come on that field trip. I stayed behind and I'm pretty sure we just watched Gone with the Wind. Well, you know, another
1: piece of southern history, <laughs> I guess. But yeah, so we're going to be going over four places in Jekyll. It was kind of hard <laughs> for me at least. I think that you have a lot of history and I'm going to try to Piece together why these places are on the Haunted Ghost Tour stops. So hopefully we come up with something. We'll at least have something to talk about at the very minimum. <laughs> yeah. um, so we went to the Horton House and Dubignon? Dubignon. Dubignon. There we go. Cemetery. I am actually, I think I
0: am a little bit French according to my ancestry, but not too much that I can do it. I am very French, but. I'm not saying that I did it well. (laughs) (laughs) Well, regardless, these places are right across from each other. I was going to say across the street, but it's technically a road, but it's very small. There were cars coming both ways that I couldn't see in either direction. So I would say it's a street. Well,
1: I mean, like when you were backing out your car, but it's like not a huge road you have to cross to get to either one. Um... So, like I said, there's a lot going on in Jekyll Island history-wise, but debatable haunted-wise. And you'll see why as I go through the stories. Um, it's a super pretty place. I love looking at all the places that we went to today. But the, the ghost stories are very vague. And we love those. Love when they just don't give me pretty much anything to go off of. Same. So, Horton House is the oldest house or one of the oldest houses on jekyll island it is it was built by one of oglethorpe's soldiers i left most of the history blank in my mind so you can
0: tell us i don't know if you want me to fill in the blanks like a mad lib or if you want me to just wait
1: i'm just gonna it's
0: very short with horton house so i'll give it a rundown and the
1: dubbing non It was close. It was good. There we go. We're going to just power away through that (laughs) because it comes up later. Um, But I wasn't able to find a lot. There are just a lot of haunting feelings from people about this place. It's a ruins. So this place is, um, we went, Mm -hmm. we've taken some pictures. We're going to post all of our pictures on Instagram. If you've been following the Instagram through the weekend, you've seen a little bit of my Instagram stories, but it's, like a shell of a house basically but still very pretty.
0: Oh yeah, it's super neat and you can see like the tabby which is the same material that the fort in St Augustine was made out of. Right. Um you can see like some of it exposed. It's really really cool. It is really cool. Um and
1: Chet the dream poet. Not Chechepecha? No, not Chechepecha. Chet the dream poet. He uh made a YouTube video visiting the Horton house and um, I had to skip through his video a few times because he was trying to tell me facts and I don't want to hear the facts from Chet. I want to hear the facts from
0: you. No, you already got a girl to do that. Exactly. Chet.
1: Um, But (laughs) he was very thorough. I had to skip a lot of times. Chet. (laughs) Chet. Um, And he claimed it was extremely haunted and he does a little ghost hunting with a K2 meter. For this extremely haunted place, he is there with the K2 meter for really about 30 minutes and he doesn't ever get anything.
0: This is just the house, not the cemetery across the street. Yes, just okay. the
1: house. Now, I want to just mention, I did ask Zach about the K2 meter because it's, it's the electromagnetic fields around that are supposedly being manipulated by ghosts and that's how it goes off. I asked Zach about K2 meters after we were wondering if like the bat and the bat scaring <laughs> Garrett and Andrew in St. Ignatius, yeah, um, if like that sort of energy would make it go off. and he says that while we have like obviously electricity in our bodies, like it doesn't produce enough for that sort of thing to happen. So
0: And uh, I'm sorry, can I have your, your husband's credentials, please?
1: He is a doctor. He is a PhD in physics, so y'all better listen to him. Don't <laughs> come at her. He's an expert <laughs> in science things, and I am an expert in not that. <laughs> <laughs> um, But so, you know, it kind of gave me a little bit more. I don't think he meant to. Zach is a very big skeptic, mm-hmm. so I think he didn't mean this, but it gave me a little bit more validation in k2 meters um but chet doesn't get anything from horton house he does say in 2014 he visited with his family and he brought his newly like fully charged brand new digital camera to take pictures but as soon as he stepped into the building the freshly charged batteries completely died and the camera wouldn't turn on and he was obviously kind of frustrated you know you're coming to take pictures of this place and your camera that's supposed to be new and charged up doesn't
0: work. Our phones, to be fair, were completely fine. I did not have th- any issues other than my phone dying because I didn't charge it last night.
1: Right. And my phone, who what usually like drains really quickly was completely fine when we were there. But he said when they got back to the campsite, the camera was fine again. And like it turned on fine. And when he turned it back on, it was fully charged. Uh, also, speaking of like K two mm-hmm. activity, Diane Frazier of Spirit Light Ministries Paranormal Investigations. It's like it's she is a pastor or a reverend, mm-hmm. and everybody with her is also a reverend, and they do like spirit based paranormal investigations. She comes up later too, and I'll explain why, but um. It also kind of seems like she implies that she's, like, some sort of medium or spirit guide. Like, the Lord works through her to see spirits. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm not judging. I don't say what is and what is not a spiritual gift. Um, I'm just saying that's what she kind of comes off as. She and her group of reverend investigators go to the Horton house. And the cemetery, and they use—it's not a spirit box. It's like that thing that we used in Saint Augustine, where the words pop up and then the robot voice says it.
0: I thought that was a spirit box.
1: That's not a spirit box. Is the one that does the the
0: the radio sh- thing thing. But I thought that they had different kinds. Maybe so. I you called, don't have the app on your phone anymore. I didn't have the app ever. Oh, you're right because he had the app. We're both scaredy cats we don't do that. (laughs) We don't
1: do it. But she had that. But like the physical one, not the one that's an app on your phone. Mm -hmm. Because this was in 2015. I see. And paranormal investigating for the regular person wasn't, I guess, that popular yet. She has a whole investigation team, so she's professional. But (laughs) she got the word flame which they attributed to um, a fire that happened there. And for the house, that's pretty much the only thing that happens. But they also go across the way to the cemetery, and she gets a hit on the K2 meter when she, they ask if she, they want to communicate, which I guess she indicates as yes. She also asks if the people there were part of the fire, and they say yes. And I'm pretty sure that's not true. But you can confirm that for me because I'm pretty sure that there there are five. I'll, I'll explain. Um, we'll get into it. She also, side note, acts really shady to the cameraman. Like she's sitting against this tree doing the K2 meter kind of like talking to the spirit, and she's like, "Are you?" And he's kind of like across the way. <laughs> And she's like, "Are you catching my K two meter?" And he's like, "Yeah." She's like, mm, "I don't think you're close enough. You need to really catch my K two meter." And earlier on in this video, she was like, are, "Are like, can are you sure you can see me? Are you are you focused on me in the camera?" I was like, she's got the bulk of the investigation, dude. Just make sure all eyes are on her.
0: Clearly, she needs a good video editor to not keep that stuff in. Maybe
1: he was passive aggressively (laughs) keeping it in for a reason. (laughs) I don't know. But they They get a lot of the K2 meter activity regardless. Um, She asks if a Seminole killed their family or started the fire, and the K2 meter goes off, which she indicates yes. Which made me also kind of like tilt my head. But it was really interesting because at that point in the video, a orb-like thing kind of went, flew straight down into that spirit box. Mm -hmm. I played it over like two times. And it does like purposely kind of go towards it. It could be a bug. They were outside.
0: There are lots of bugs, as we saw.
1: Yes. But it was kind of cool. Otherwise, locals describe pretty much periodic cemetery hauntings for that area it includes lights and shadows and the patriarch of the dubinon family christoph is not buried there i think he's supposedly elsewhere buried on that property in an unmarked grave but not with the rest of his family there are five graves in total and Three belong to the members of the family, and then two employees. But then I read this weird rumor that there's no bodies in those graves at all, Mm -hmm. supposedly. Uh, They're just empty. Like, Evidently, scientists scanned the cemetery with earth-penetrating sonar and found nothing where those tombs were. Mm -hmm. And I only found this in one place. And... Nowhere else. So it could be just some one-off rumor or urban legend that never gained traction. But yeah, and that is literally it <laughs> for those two places. I have nothing else. I went through the, the pictures of what we took, my yeah. pictures. I didn't see any faces or any orbs or anything like that. I mean, we were during the day, but still. All I have is a picture of really creepy-looking writing carved into the walls of the
0: Horton house, but I think it's more vandalism than ghosts. The only demons there are the vandals. Exactly. And I have a little bit more. Honestly, I don't have much about specifics because it seemed like a very simple place. Right. So it's, re-
1: it's literally bare bones.
0: It is. But, uh, the house was originally built in 1743 And it, like I said earlier, is built out of tabby, which is sand, shell, which was turned into lime, and then water mixed together. It actually ended up being very sturdy. Obviously, the fort in St. Augustine is still standing however many years later. Right. (laughs) Just a couple hundred. Just a few generations and generations. It's wild, but you can see, like, the oyster shells in it. We'll post the pictures on there. It's super cool. It was constructed by Major William Horton, and he was one of the top military aides to James Oglethorpe, who was a very big person in Georgia, kind of like the main founder. Oh. (laughs) Big guy. He was, like, he was pretty much stationed in Savannah. That's why there's so many Oglethorpe things. He has his own square in Savannah and stuff like that. He charged Horton to take care of the troops that were um, stationed at Fort Fort frederica which was on saint simon's we didn't get to go to that but it did look cool in 1735 i saw that it was either he was granted land on jekyll island by the trustees of the colony or that he bought it for like something like small i saw it more that he was granted the land by the trustees of the colony i only saw that he bought it like purchased the land once so, yeah, I think I saw a story where, like, he paid his own way. Yeah, I didn't.
1: And then it was, he got the land because he paid his own way to
0: the the states. I don't, well, he, this. Maybe I'm confusing that with somebody else. <laughs> the source I went with was the Jekyll Island website because they're big on the history. So I just decided to make them the expert. The page that I saw that he purchased the property was essentially a blog. So, I wasn't able to, like, fact check that anywhere. So, I'm just going to say that he was granted the land by the trustees of the colony. It was mostly to help kind of provide for the fort because it's not that far away. Right. So, he, he got the property. There was a Spanish attack that destroyed the first house on the island. Okay. It didn't say anything about a fire. We don't have Seminoles in Georgia. Those were in Florida. Yeah. I don't, I guess because
1: we're close to Florida, but not that close. Yeah. You know, like, it's still Georgia.
0: We had, I feel like the most likely of them would probably be the Creek Indians. Yeah. I mean, and there's no record of, like, the house being set on fire. They did say that they destroyed the property, though. To the point of it having to be rebuilt. Yeah. maybe Nobody died. It just had to be rebuilt. Well, I mean, that's good. Yeah.
1: Maybe it was partially burnt. I, you know, I don't know.
0: Who knows? Um, but he was able to rebuild the house, and that is the house that stands today. And I sent you a picture. It was like a sketch of it. Yeah. It was really cool because that's not how I pictured it looking. <laughs> it looks much different than yeah. how I would have imagined. It's got like a big porch and everything. It looks very plantation where I feel like what's there now looks very Spanish. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that is very
1: odd. It's cool, though, mm-hmm. to That's see how neat. much, like, little details really make up a house.
0: Yeah, so Horton mentioned that he found the land exceedingly rich, and he grew a variety of crops to, like I said, help supply the fort. Uh, he also ended up growing crops like hops and barley, and he brewed Georgia's first beer really at his plantation and it ended up being actually safer to drink than the water (laughs) which kind of makes sense so it became a staple which is a little awkward because the original founders of georgia had outlawed alcohol in the beginning
1: oh well you know what he was paving his own way look he built his house twice he was taking care of troops he needed a little bit of a relaxing beverage. Well, yeah, and he
0: was probably also helping, you know, down the cholera outbreaks because people stopped drinking nasty water. That's true.
1: (laughs) I wonder, so, okay, so there was a, like, when we drove, when we were driving to our next destination, we saw that little fenced-off area that was
0: a garden. So there's the remnants of the distillery a little bit, bit further down the road. We didn't stop at it. I didn't know that it was there until I started reading up on it. Mm. Um, but that wasn't it. I think that might've actually just been an established garden by the, well, I was just wondering maybe like if they're trying to, if they like are growing some of the crops that
1: used to grow there.
0: Oh, that'd be cool. I don't know.
1: Hmm. Food Next for thought.
0: time. Hops for thought. <laughs> In 1794, Christophe Dubignon returned to Georgia from France and he was trying to escape the French revolution. Mm-hmm. He had initially made a pretty good amount of money as a privateer during the American Revolution. And what is that? (laughs) I can tell you. An armed ship owned and officered by private individuals. Mm. And they get a government commission essentially for fighting for them. So So if you and I owned a boat and the government was like, hey, you want to fight for us with your boat? We'd say, okay, that'd be $2 million. Yeah. Yeah.
1: They do that now too. Like with. Oh, do they? I think think so. I think there's, like, maybe this is a conspiracy theory, (laughs) but I think that, like, in the U.S., there are private contractors for the military. I'm almost certain. That's not just a Hollywood thing? I don't think so. I think that's a true thing. We'll have to ask our sources. Yes. Or let us know if I'm completely wrong (laughs) and I should wrap my head in tinfoil.
0: Don't do that. (laughs) We'll mess up your hair. But he didn't end up making a good amount of money from that. He traded a share in the Sapello Company, which I guess is a company that he owned, for a portion of Jekyll Island and continued to buy property until by the end of the century, his family controlled the island entirely. The Dubignons lived in the Horton House um, for decades. Wow. Which is why their burial property is across the street. Oh, gotcha. So I think I found the same article as you about the cemetery, but they sourced their story from a historian from Jekyll Island um, named John Hunter. And he said that when preservationists, which is a theme throughout this whole episode since like, and it's not like just, you know, the 1970s like trend of fixing things. Preservation started happening in the 1890s like, really started happening because this house was built in 1794. Yeah. So, that's a lot of years to go between the house being built and preservation... Right. ...attempts. So, they were trying to fix up the island. When they looked into the burial ground, so much time had gone by that it was just a bunch of stones. So, they weren't really sure what to do with it. So, they just decided to make a new cemetery. And then, afterwards... They hired a surveyor to determine how many graves were in the cemetery, like the new walls that they built, Mm -hmm. and the surveyor said, none. (laughs) You had all this property, and you literally built a square on top of nothing. Mm. So, do they think,
1: like, they were actually buried somewhere else?
0: Yeah, so the whole place, that's why it said burial ground on the marker. Gotcha. Instead of cemetery. The two plots that were, like, towards the back, mm-hmm. there are actually people buried there. Gotcha. So the two employees. Correct. But the three, that's why it says it's in memorial of. Gotcha. That makes sense. they don't really know where they're buried, apparently. Well, that's kind of sad. We'll come back to them. We'll help them out when we get our foundation running. Okay, yes. Yeah, we'll find them. We'll find them. Uh, so speaking of the two plots that are in the cemetery across the street. In our pictures you're gonna see them. There are three kind of like raised graves made mm. out of brick and they have beautiful inscriptions on them. Behind them there are two graves for George Harvey and Hector delianis, and it's marked as they drowned mm. March 21st 1912 like it says it on the Yeah we saw it it was very jolting. And then it says, you know, George Harvey was an English native. And then Hector Delianis was a native of Sermna. Could not tell you where Sermna is. It's in Greece. Oh, well,
1: <laughs> all I know of Greece is Mykonos. Uh,
0: yeah, it's S-Y-R-M-N-A. I tried finding information because I feel like that's just kind of an open-ended sentence. Like, oh, yeah, they drowned. Yeah, like how? We, we don't talk about it. Um, they were both hotel employees for the club that we will talk about later. Right. And apparently they drowned in the river on the same day. Maybe, I'm assuming, maybe, like, on their day off or something. They maybe. were just playing around. Yeah. The river is also a marsh. Yeah. So it is very easy to get stuck in the muck true um hector was known as hector the greek (laughs) at the hotel um and so they were just buried in the duvignon cemetery i think that's kind of nice though Mm -hmm. yeah i imagine in 1912 it probably wasn't very feasible to transport a body
1: yeah definitely
0: And I feel like it kind of gives them, like, at least they cared
1: about them enough to, like, Mm -hmm. bury them and actually give them grave markers. Yeah. Not throwing shade at anybody, but kind kind of. Uh, So that's what I got for the Horton House. Yeah. It's a very low-key, simple place, and I I think
0: it's very pretty. Mm -hmm. It was very nice. We got some nice pictures of ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's pretty. Definitely should go check it out. I am not saying that I'm, like attuned to that sort of thing but i didn't get any weird feelings while we were there
1: yeah no i didn't feel uncomfortable or like any bad vibes from it
0: it actually felt very like bright yes
1: to me. yeah definitely we were this is like the prettiest day we've of the year so far
0: That yeah i'd agree with that
1: as far as like light and everything it was very cold though it was kind of chilly and so with the chilliness we decided to just do
0: a walking tour of all the cottages.
1: <laughs> um, and listen,
0: we didn't decide to do that. That decision was thrust upon us, right? Because we could not get into any
1: sort of gates to drive through, except for like there was a whole bunch of people there. I don't understand how they got there. We could have been cars.
0: taking it on a heated bus. This is true. How strange.
1: <laughs> how weird.
0: But the next stop, regardless, was
1: Hollyborn Cottage, which. I don't know why I was most excited about this place, but I was very, very excited about this place. It is such a neat house. I am an empath. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But I do feel very connected to that house. I don't know why. I just, it's, I want, like, I really wanted to go there when I saw it online as one of the stops. And then we got there and I was like, man, I could just walk around the outside of this place forever because we couldn't go in because it's not open to the public anymore you have to s- schedule a specific tour i think mm-hmm. now that we're back here i kind of miss it <laughs> so <laughs> i just need to buy it with all my monopoly money but this cottage the only the only thing i try to let myself know about it was um where the maurice family spent many hours at And it is located four lots north of the Millionaire Clubhouse that we'll talk about later. Right. There were nine kids in the house, including the Maurice sisters, which included Margaret, a.k.a. Peg, who I will mention because she's important to my part of the story. Right. If you're visiting Jekyll and you kind of go through the village, the Millionaire's Village is what they call it, you'll see that many of the cottages have been redone or in are in the process of being majorly restored. Mm -hmm. And if you look into Hollyborn's windows, you'll see that it's very much look. It looks like in the beginning processes of it being re restored, right? It's not crumbling. I don't think it's falling apart on the outside. The outside looks really good, but on the inside it looks like there's a lot of work to be done. The story goes that Peg petitioned the state of Georgia when she was growing up and older for a living lease to the island home. Like all the kids, all nine kids kind of moved away, apparently. And then she was the one that came back years and years later and asked Georgia for a living lease of Hollyborn, And she was she was denied. And they said no. And so sometime later after that denial, didn't say when, she died. And according to some people, the spirit of Peg has never rested in peace because she was denied living there, living her golden years there. And she thwarts efforts to restore the building to its like former glory. Mm-hmm. In a blog account by Gregory 77... He has, like, a two-part blog, and he did a lot of interviews with island employees, and he did a kind of walkthrough, I think, when they were still doing tours. And he talked to an employee in the mid-90s who said, "...it seems that a small group allowed their curiosity about the house overcome them and stealthily obtained entrance after walking through the house and peering into rooms..." That's a nice way to say they broke in. Right. (laughs) That's a nice way of saying they trespassed. (laughs) Um, But after they were walking through the house and looking in, they reemerged into the open air. To their dismay, they found themselves covered with powdery white footprints, women's shoes about the size of nine and a half. That's attributed to Peg, like they stepped out onto the porch. I guess after breaking in, breaking and entering, and once they stepped out onto the porch, they saw like white footprints, mm-hmm. like white powdery footprints that they attributed to the spirit of Peg. It could be your own footprints from walking yeah, a say, dusty. House. Did they check their shoes for sawdust? Right, like, and this was in the nineties, so it could have been like just dust everywhere from Mm -hmm. people not using certain rooms or not even like being able to access certain rooms so i don't know he got another interview and according to another island employee a group of jekyll island authority leaders made an effort to have a meeting inside hollyborn complete with refreshments bowls and other objects mysteriously fell to the floor shutters banged against the window frames, and birds flew against the windows from, like, the outside. When was this? It didn't say a date on that one. It didn't say a year. I'm assuming it was around the same time he interviewed the other police so about Mm the 90s. But were you also thinking of The Conjuring? No. I was just... I'll get to it. Okay. I was thinking of The Conjuring when they mentioned birds because that's, like, a big thing in that movie. I was like... Are you stealing things from other haunted houses? Get your own thing. There are a lot of stories, like a lot of firsthand accounts. Um, but are there any hard facts? No. No, <laughs> not as far as photographic or EVP evidence. I did not find that anywhere. I looked and looked on YouTube, on you know, all my regular avenues, even Google Reviews. There's no sort of photograph of orbs or anything. They did say at least one psychic has visited the site in around July 2000. And her observation was very detailed in this article, in this blog, that there was definitely a presence. That's all we got for that. Didn't say the psychic's name or... Oh, that doesn't sound very detailed. Doesn't sound very ghost whispery to me. Mm. So... Maybe the ghosts weren't whispering that day. Maybe they just, like, kind of walked by and brushed her. And she was like, there's something here. I don't know what. Um, Grab your feet on your way out. (laughs) Gregory 77 actually took a tour, like I said, of Hollyborn, which I'm jealous of. Why couldn't they open a tour for me? It does say it's a museum, and it says it closes at 5, and we were there well before 5, and there was nobody there. I think it closes in the winter months. You think that if we came in the summer, that would be more open to the public? Yeah, I think so. Hmm. We'll have to come back. Um, <laughs> but he said, We neared the passage to the gun room, and I sensed a small area that was cooler than the rest of the room. Temperatures outside had already reached the upper 80s, and the air was sticky and humid, except for this small space. But surely surely there was a logical explanation. And I know what you're thinking, air conditioning. But I think there's a lot of electrical issues with Hollyborn, from what I've read. So I don't know if they have air conditioning. They do. They do. Mm-hmm. Okay, you'll tell me later. Um, but I don't know at the time of this tour that he took.
0: They did. Okay, I believe you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so it could they, be air conditioning.
0: Well, the house fell into disrepair, like it was abandoned for a right. while. Not abandoned. It was empty for a while. Right. And to prevent it from getting worse, they put in climate control, which Uh we know by AC pretty early on. Okay.
1: Got you. That makes sense. Um, I did read that they also sealed to kind of prevent, like, water humidity damage. Yeah. He did ask a tour guide volunteer about PEG, and she said she hadn't had any sort of experience. And she worked there, so... He keeps calling the volunteers interns, but everywhere else I saw was just a volunteer. Yeah, no, they're not interns. Yeah, I don't know why he kept calling them interns. He also had an email dialogue with a nephew of a former Georgia State Patrol officer who, I guess, used to patrol Jekyll Island.
0: That's a little removed.
1: Yeah, a nephew of a police officer who used to patrol second cousin's best friend's mother um that sounds inappropriate <laughs> <laughs> um but uh, yeah i guess it was in the 1950s and on a routine nightly kind of patrol through the rows of cottages his uncle with the windows rolled down heard a string quartet he leaned out the window to try to determine the direction of which the sound was coming from. And he also heard a mixture of sounds that would you would hear at a party. Like voices, laughter, clinking of glassware. He kind of figured out it was coming from Hollyborn, so he pulled his car into the driveway, opened his door, and stepped out, and the music
0: stopped. That could have been teenagers hiding from the police. <laughs> Could have been the people that sneakily found access to the inside of the house, right? Exactly. Like they could have just been like, oh. But I will also, I'll come back
1: to that story. Okay, um, but that was apparently a, an, another experience. I'm going to touch a little bit because I think that you're going to have a little bit more on Dick Tennyson, who started, yeah. um, the restoration. Sort of, mm-hmm. he's like the main guy behind it. He has kind of been doing the whole thing for the last 18 years which is a long time and he has been inside the cottage more than anyone and he sort of just scoffs at paranormal notions he says that he's been there many days many nights early in the morning and he's never encountered a ghost he said you'll hear funny noises sometimes but you can always correlate them to something else there are no ghosts and um
0: that's basically it Mm mm-hmm That's basically it for Holly That's it. I'm just kidding. I have some. Well, nothing ghosty. For good ghosts. I do have some cool stuff. For Peg. This is going to kind of jump forward a bit from our next house that we'll talk about. Okay. But this house was built in 1890. It's two stories, nine bedrooms, and it was built by prominent bridge builder Charles Stuart Maurice, who was a founding member, one of the founding members of uh, the Jekyll Island Club, which we'll talk about later. Charles had already built some of the most notable bridges of their time, and we kind of talked about it earlier, but... Is it one of the scary bridges that we went over today? No. Okay. Um, It was the bridges that I was having a hard time pronouncing. What was that one in the over the Hudson River? Oh, Poughkeepsie. Poughkeepsie. I think that's right. I'm saying it with such
1: confidence, but I you have know, no idea. You know, you're
0: saying it, and I believe you. Okay. <laughs> we'll say it. Oh, the, that bridge over the Hudson River, the cantilever bridge over the Niagara, uh, the Cairo Bridge over the Ohio, the Memf- and the Memphis Bridge over the Mississippi. So he built some big bridges. He also built bridges out of the country. <laughs> wow. So this guy was, like, nasty rich. He had yes. lots of money. He built this house after Charles decided... His large family needed a home outside of just the Je- the Jekyll Clubhouse, and also as a second home from their home in New York. So they mainly lived in New York, but they used the Jekyll Island home as their second home. Yeah, like a getaway kind of thing. Yeah. From the
1: little people
0: in New York. From the hustle and bustle in New York of 1890. I'm sure it was still busy. Oh, it was very busy. It was built in the Jacobethian style. I'm not sure what that means. <laughs>
1: I don't know what that means either.
0: <laughs> but it was the only cottage of that era constructed with Tabby. Yeah, Tabby is like a recurring sort of theme. Mm-hmm. It was also the last house to be built with Tabby on that island.
2: Weird. So he
0: just kind of did it. I don't know. He seems like he just kind of did a couple things. <laughs> um, the house is huge. It's 11,300 square feet. And... It was built, like you said, to accommodate Maurice, his wife, Charlotte, and their nine children. So since Charles was a bridge builder, he said, why not build my house like a bridge? Not because I have trolls living under it, but because (laughs) I think that it's cool. He built a truss system in the attic, so like a suspension system in the attic, and then underneath, he built 19 brick pillars in the basement, and what this did was it allowed the house to have higher, more open interior spaces without having obvious supports because the building was literally hanging from its upper stories. Like if you look in the attic, you'll see it looks kind of like a, the top of the bridge where it like goes out and then over. Um, it actually has ended up proving to make the house like improving, doing restoration on the house a bit harder because it's, Yeah, I can imagine that. Very non-conventional. Yeah. The blueprints on this thing must be
1: just insane.
0: Yeah, I made a joke of, can I get the blueprints of that house and rebuild it? I won't be doing that. (laughs) Come on, you're not a bridge maker? You don't want to just... It was called the Compromise House because even though Charles was an architect of bridges... He was not an architect of houses, so him and his house architect would go back and forth and reach, like, compromises of how the house was going to be built. Oh, my gosh. Uh, The house became a very big gathering spot for members of the Jekyll Island Club. There were frequent teas and dinner parties. Right. And Charlotte was a very enthusiastic hostess, and she was... So into the social gal- gatherings that she kept a menu diary of each dinner.
1: Wow. Yeah. Was- oh, I want to
0: know what some of the menus were. We can recreate them and have like a little food party. I know. I couldn't find the recipe book, Damn. but I'm sure that they have it somewhere if they mentioned it. Damn. Um. She ended up dying in 1909 in Pennsylvania of typhoid fever that she actually contracted on the island. Uh. And then after Charles's death, in 1924, two of their daughters continued to enjoy the cottage, and I say cottage lightly. They called these yeah. mansions cottages, and it was
2: the—they're
0: not cottages. Well, it was the club members' cottages. It was the the Cottage Club or something like that that the mega millionaires built for themselves. Yeah, while they were part of this club. I think of like
1: cottages, like you know, a little itty bitty place. That your grandparents bought like many years ago for like a little summer place and it's got like one bathroom Mm -hmm. and like a really old stove and refrigerator, but you're there for the lake anyways. No, they
0: almost, they called them cottages almost as a sarcastic remark. It seems like. (laughs) What assholes. (laughs) So they did continue using the home every season up until, spoiler for later on, the state of Georgia bought the entire island in 1947 through eminent domain. <laughs> the daughters, Marion and Margaret, were so bitter over losing Hollyborn that they not only never returned to the Georgia coast, they insisted on bypassing the entire state <laughs> to go to Florida. <laughs> like, and I found this in multiple places. They refused to even fly over Georgia. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) They would go down through Alabama to get to Florida. This is my favorite kind of petty. (laughs) They were not pleased. But after Georgia, the state of Georgia, bought the property, and I'll kind of go into this a little later, a lot of the houses weren't being upkept. Right. It's like, congratulations. Yay, here's your state park. Never mind the deteriorating historical homes that are on the property. Well, I mean, once a state buys something, it kind of goes to
1: sh- and kind of goes to shit. No offense. So, so
0: in comes our friend, not our friend. We never met him. Uh, He's our friend, <laughs> but I would love to meet him, Dick Tennyson, who, like you said, has spent a lot of time in Hollyborn. Yeah, he actually decided to just volunteer mm-hmm. because he wanted free golf and you can volunteer with the Jekyll Island Authority Island Authority in exchange for free golf. You know who would do that, Zachary. I texted my mom and said tell my dad that he can get free rounds of golf if he volunteers with the Jekyll Island Island Authority. What did she say? Did she say anything? She it seemed like he didn't believe uh, who the authority was. <laughs> see i when they say jekyll island
1: authority i don't think that means police officers it doesn't it just means like people who can tell you to i don't know, get off a porch or something
0: no it's not even i mean i'm sure they have some sort of public safety but they they're like the island managers okay so they're in charge of like the groundskeepers pretty much They're in charge of the renovations that are happening. Gotcha. So Dick comes up and he's like, hey, heard I get free, free rounds of golf. I'll do it. And they're like, okay, go fix those shutters. 118 panels of shutters later. (laughs) And then he just kind of gets hooked on it after a while.
1: Well, I think that Hollyborn is a very like addicting place once you kind of go there.
0: Yeah, but he wasn't a carpenter. He was an electrician for GE. (laughs)
1: that's better than me i'm ready to go volunteer and i have no experience whatsoever well
0: so that was usually the thing of the club members and their wives would volunteer and like the guys would end up doing the heavy lifting and the women would do like painting and stuff like that yeah but after a while the volunteers kind of dwindled and dick was left on his own so he finished the shutters And then he moved to the floors because what was over the floors were pieces of plywood so people wouldn't fall through the floors Yeah. because they had been eaten by termites and they had water damage. Like the house was in really rough shape, which is why it looks like it had just started. But really, it's been a long, it's been a long time. And the efforts to stop the damage were done even longer before then. Yeah. So he's been working on it for a very long time. It looks really good. They had somebody come through, um, a university architect came through and they spoke to the board members and they were like, I don't think that you understand what these guys, it was Dick and then his other friend, I don't have his name in here, but his other friend who was actually like, he did, um, habitat for humanity homes. Oh, cool. They worked together to do a lot of the renovations. Yeah. Yeah. And. The architect professor was like, they have literally saved you hundreds of thousands of dollars. Which is amazing. And did an excellent renovation. Yeah,
1: I read the same article, and it was a University of Florida professor. <laughs> Little connection there for me. But yeah, he was very impressed. And I was very impressed, too. Reading about all the work that's, that Dick has done
0: um, is amazing. And... The age in which he started. Right. And he, they ask him when he was going to stop working on the house. And he was like, I don't know. When am I going to die?
1: Right. Which I think is so funny. He was 62. Yeah. When he started. And when that article came out, that article was published in the magazine in 2016. Oh, I thought it was 17. But I might be getting it mixed up with the different I, one. I, I think it was 2016. It could be 2017. But he was 80. And he was still working. That's amazing. Dedication. Do I have it?
0: Only for this, literally. <laughs> it's all being spent here. But no, that's pretty much what I have for Hollyborn. Like you said, Dick is like there's no ghost here. I've literally spent so much time right in this house know. by myself. And I don't understand why Peg would be haunting it and not her sister as well yeah, no, it sounds like they, like, I did see that they kind of, they were one of the only ones of the millionaires club, quote, quote, that weren't okay with this purchase by the state of Georgia. Yeah. I'll kind of get into why everybody was accepting of it later on, but they were like, no, we love this house. My family loved this house. Like their family was really in Jekyll more than, In New York. In New York. Yeah. They would spend Christmas there. They would buy Christmas presents for the local children and, like, have a big Mm -hmm. Christmas party. They were there so much that the house was rarely rented out. They did rent it to one of the Pulitzers, like, the actual family member Pulitzer. Oh, cool. But beforehand, Charlotte took a trip down to take inventory of all of her things (laughs) To make sure that he didn't mess with any of her stuff. That is so funny. And they didn't like people staying there because they had so many treasures there because they were there so often. Yeah. So they did really love their, their house. You can tell it was a very big treasure to them in yes. whole.
1: Well, and so, yeah. So, I, I mean, I guess if, like, something brings you so much joy, there is a possibility that you would want to, like, go there in the afterlife. But seeing as the sisters literally would not fly over the state of Georgia, I don't think they would
0: spend their afterlife there. Right. I would say I could kind of see the music and like the party noise happening because there were a lot of parties there and just it's like a residual energy. Yeah, definitely a festive sort of thing. Yeah.
1: I mean, the big porch with the fireplace. Mm -hmm. It's just so perfect for like a dinner party. I think that. I could could definitely see, like, the music, the quartet, and everything. It was funny, because I saw a YouTube video that talked briefly about this house. And um, they brought up the fact, like, you know, I don't know why a string quartet would be there, like, deciding in the afterlife to play more music. Like, oh, you're going to (laughs) work after you're dead. Which I think was kind of a good point.
0: Um, So, you want to take a break? yeah let's take a
1: break we'll do we're going to come back and do two more places um and then
2: we'll wrap it up sounds good okay
1: that was a snappy one that was a snappy Snappy. we're back we are back we have gotten blankets. I feel as this is dangerous because now I'm a little bit cozy, but um, that's okay. We are we're recording this at like midnight 30. Um, so <laughs> do not mind us.
0: We're fine. <laughs> we are
1: fine. Um, but we have two more places that we want to discuss on our little self-guided Jekyll ghost tour. Yes. and the next one. Took us a while to find because Google Maps decided that we need to go the scenic route to this place.
0: When we had already been going the scenic route the entire weekend. Right. Just
1: like, you know what? Slow down. Follow this golf cart trolley that you wish you were on. (laughs) That was not the trolley that we got canceled on, but it was something different. It's true. Um, But the house in question is the Dubignon Cottage. That was
0: good. I'm
1: getting better as I'm going
0: on. You'll be pronouncing it correctly, that last pronunciation of the episode. Perfect. Just in time. Just in time. My favorite thing about this house... Is the name?
1: No, that's my least favorite thing about this house. (laughs) My favorite thing about this house is that there was a cat Yes. When we walked up to it, that looks a lot like Snaps. It does look like Snaps. And it was not Snaps. His name was Marty.
0: Marty! And I'll tell you how I know that a little bit later. Marty didn't let us pet him. No, he kind of just scooted right under a bush. Marty chirped at us a nice hello, goodbye, And then skirted under the porch, under the bush. Right?
1: He's like, and laid right down. I was taking a sun nap, and now people want to come up the stairs of my house. And Mm -hmm. we interrupted him, Um, but he was nice enough not to hiss at us or bite us and let us walk around. It's true. He is pretty much the only encounter that we had (laughs) of a different kind other than humans Mm -hmm. um, at this place. I thought this place would have a lot of encounters. It has tours, like, it's on. Like, every tour thing I've read and looked at, this is a stop. And, um, I'm pr- it, like, it's the, I guess the living place of the Dominions? Later on, you'll tell me. <laughs> I don't know why I'm asking you things, but I know that you're going to tell me anyway.
0: See, you confused me, because I'm like, does she want me to tell her? Does she want me? I know. She doesn't? Just...
1: She does? She doesn't. I do, but I want to like wait till the appropriate time for everything to be revealed. So I'd have all the information at once. And I'm like, Oh yes, it's an aha moment. Um, and asking <laughs> <you> questions just the <laughs> gates that completely. Um, but there was a tour guide that I found that, um, his name is Wes, which I love that name. It's a very good name. It's on my baby la- name list. He said he often brings, Groups to Dumignon. He's calling it the most paranormally active house we've got. Where Wes? Where? Can you just tell me why you think that? Tell me why because it's not on the internet. You guys weren't opening your tours today because I guess it's winter, and you had all the drapes closed, so I couldn't put my cam- camera up to many windows and take pictures, except of the, like the kitchen and the really creepy um, cellar. Cellar. Uh, But there's no, (laughs) there's no videos on YouTube or anything of people having experiences here. I found one account and it was by Sheila Zinda, who took Jekyll Island's folk tour, folklore, rumor and myth tour last October. Okay. And said it was fantastic. and She was enthusiastic. She reported feeling a cold spot following her through a portion of the tour of the cottage. Like, a cold spot that, like, stayed with her. Mm-hmm. Wrapped around her like a cold boa constrictor,
0: constrictor, as Zach Bagans would like to say. Oh, I thought you were saying she... No, but that's how it. Because then I, I was about it. to question and be like, she's watched too many ghost adventures. Right. no. I'm describing it for her. I see. As Zach. I got it. I got it.
1: The layered thing. I'm there now. <laughs> it's a theater production. Um, Bravo. And others have seen flickering lights. Marty, Marty Jekyll, the cat we all love, has his own Facebook page. And on his Facebook page, he said that the place is supposedly haunted. And he'd know because he lives there. And the Facebook post was coincidentally made close to the October ghost tour start date. So, Marty either has impeccable timing or he is a great marketing mind because he shared his experiences as a cat um, on Facebook. Well, obviously,
0: like, marketing mind isn't his only gift if he's sharing his... He's a genius. ...insights online. But, also, Marty, you can't just say something is because you said so.
1: Yes, Okay. This is okay. We talked about this last time. If you're going to have an experience and you're going to write and mention it in a review or on a Facebook post, you need to tell the details throughout all of these places, especially this place. Whenever I looked in reviews, I didn't find a lot, but I would find, like, oh, there are ghosts. Oh, this place is haunted. Really? Cheryl, because you didn't tell me anything about the haunting or the ghost. Cheryl, would
0: you care to elaborate?
1: Yes, please. Just elaborate. If you have ghost reviews, go into detail. We need to know the who, what, when, why, and how they're scaring the crap out of you. You know what
0: I love? Google reviews. You know what I hate? One word, Google reviews. Yeah. (laughs) Like...
1: I just got an email. Just side note, real quick. I just got an email from the Google review that we I left on my wedding venue mm-hmm. after we got married. I left a like a long, literally six paragraph Google review in positive. I love that place, um, and it, it has been. I got an email that said my Google review of that place has been viewed more than like thirty thousand times. Yeah. People and, like the deets. And nobody would view it if I was just like, I got married here. <laughs> you know? It's a wedding venue. Right. So I'm, all I'm saying is like cat or human, go into detail about your experiences. Cats don't care enough to go into detail. I mean, they don't. I mean, he didn't care for us at all. He just chirped him when I Bye. Yeah. I mean, it's a very pretty house. Mm-hmm. I will say, again, I really enjoyed the wraparound porches. It's one of the most, I think, done looking places, I guess. Mm-hmm. I did take some pictures of the little kitchen area. Had an old-timey fridge and that was kind of cool. Um, but they had the drapes all kind of pulled pulled for the the main windows so you can't really see anything in them. Mm-hmm. I guess keep people guessing so they'll take tours. Tours that don't write about their experiences um, because that's literally it. I had the quote from the the museum guide. I have Marty, <laughs> the cat, and I had Sheila who just had that cold spot and reported others seeing flickering lights. Like this is a prominent stop, especially on the folklore rumor and myth tour, which doesn't even seem to be a thing anymore. They have like a YouTube link that's supposedly like a trailer for like the stops on the tour and that's not working anymore well that's a bummer because that would have
0: been a fun one to go on yeah
1: i mean it looked like it was only running in october mm. but if it was going to be a recurring thing you would think that you would just keep the link up
0: yeah um it might have just not made it through covid
1: that's true um i couldn't find any names of a supposed person who's supposed to be haunting this cottage. Like, Hollyborn has Peg. I couldn't even find a name of one of the family members who's supposedly supposed to be roaming around there. Yeah. Like I said, no pictures, no video, not even, like, a horrific death rumor. Well, um, I have a few things, but not
0: many. You can tell me because I literally have nothing. <laughs> So we're going to touch on the Jekyll Island Club a little bit more. The founder lived in the Dubignon Cottage. Okay. The founder of the club. Mm-hmm. Okay. John Eugene Dubignon was the founder of the Jekyll Island Club. And he built this, quote, cottage in 1884 that would eventually become the Clubhouse Precinct. At the okay. beginning of the 19th century, like we talked about, the Dubignons ended up in owning the entire island.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But following the Civil War, their property was reduced to about 30 acres. John had dreams of turning the island into like a winter retreat type thing, mm-hmm. which could be better place because it's still freaking cold, but I guess not as cold as New York. True. He built this specific house to kind of promote the hunting club mm. and they call it a stick style farmhouse and i was very confused why they called this house the farmhouse until i looked into it okay um this house is not where it originally stood oh okay and it was a farmhouse he built this house to promote the property so he had livestock like a full-running farm, all that good stuff. Gotcha. He ended up selling memberships to this club for $600 a piece, which is about $15,000 in 2017 money. Yikes. And it actually... He had no problem selling it. (laughs) Well, I mean, you're selling it to a bunch of mega-millionaires. Right. He was kind of pushing on the exclusivity. So once people started buying things or like buying into this. It was decided that the farmhouse needed to move so they could build apartments. That is the San Sauchi apartments. Sauchi? Sauchi. I've been saying Sauchi. Sauchi seems right. If it's wrong, you guys can tell us. (laughs) Or don't because Sauchi would be the right way to say it. (laughs) If you're not saying it that way, you're saying it wrong. Yeah. So on August 10th, 1896, Which is so early still. The farmhouse ended up being relocated to where it is now using wagons and mules. Wow. They picked it up, put it over there, and then it was set on brick pillars. The lattice was added underneath the wraparound porch. And they also added decorative brackets and gutters on the exterior. Mm -hmm. So I sent you the picture in Zoom. Of what the farmhouse looked before they looked like before they moved it, and it looks a little, it looks a little bit more like a farmhouse to me in that picture than than it does now. Um, they also on the interior added decorative scoring in the hallway and the parlor floors, and then added faux marble mantels. Wish I could see it. I'm just saying, Jekyll
1: Island was very like low key and not. Dangerous feeling. I feel like you could just leave the doors unlocked during the day, so I can walk through.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, is that trespassing? <laughs> it's sneakily gaining entrance. John, and again, I'll get into this a little bit more in the club, but he was the grandson of Christoph. Okay, who lived in the Horton House? Lived in the Horton House. Okay. Christoph and John's dad, Joseph, had a falling out. Mm. So a lot of the property, the majority of the property, was left to his uncle. But it was left to him. He ended up being a pretty well-known guy, a state representative, but he died at a very early age of 36. Mm. And so he actually died before the land was able to be officially divvied up Oh, okay, so, and it's so up for grabs. Yeah, so John didn't get any of it. Oh no. He had to purchase back the property. Well, family stuff and land is always a big mess. Yeah. But I mean, he made it work. We'll get into that the next time or with the next story. Okay. We're switching it up for the last last place that we went. Yeah, I'll go first and tell you the history and then you can tell me The spooky stuff that's happening. Because apparently spooky stuff is actually happening in this place. Yes. In 1879, Newton Finney, who was the brother-in-law of John, and we're talking about the same John from earlier, collaborated and, like I said, decided that they wanted to turn the island into a private hunting club for the cream of the crop, like the wealthy... Super rich millionaires. Yeah, it would be like Soho House in New York. <laughs> Just ridiculously rich. Right. In 1886, the island was purchased by the newly formed Jekyll Island Club. So they got their money by selling portions of this club, the, 50, the $600. Got you. So they were buying into being owners of the island, essentially. Or Club members who would then purchase the island. Like a timeshare. Yeah. Okay. They were really pushing that this club was very special. (laughs) It was the Cool Kids Club. The club opened its doors in January of 1888 and quickly became a retreat for families that represented just one sixth of the world's wealth. Wow. And this is in like the 1800s. Bougie. In 1896, the building, partly owned by J. P. Morgan, was built um, into a six unit building and is recognized as one of the first condominiums in the United States. Wow so They built condos before the 1900s. Wow. The floors, leaded art glass, stairway, and skylight are all original to this day. Nice. The club also participated in world events, such as the super-secret squirrel creation of the National Reserve. Wow. It was like a thing. That's crazy. If you want to look into it, you can. But it was like, show up, only use first names. We're going to talk, meet about this in midnight, and we're going to figure out a way to make the National Reserves. And they did. Wow. Um. And also, the first transcontinental phone call was made between President Woodrow Wilson in Washington, D.C., Alexander Graham Bell in New York, Thomas Watson in San Francisco, Henry Higginson in Boston, and AT&T president, (laughs) Theodore Newton Vale at Jekyll Island Club. The AT&T president was at Jekyll Island. Well, yeah, I can
1: see that. AT&T, like, kind of got its start in the Georgia area or, like, in the south area. So I can I can see that, but that's still mind-blowing. Also, that was, like, a huge game of telephone.
0: <laughs> it was the biggest conference call. Yes. Literally of its time, of any time. But, no, this happened, like, super early on. I didn't realize that AT&T was around so long. Like, it's not the AT&T... It kind of morphed into the AT&T that we know now, but it is... The start of it. The start of it. I was mind blown. It obviously became very popular, and families with the names... <laughs> the hotel, not the phone call. Oh. Families with the names like Rockefeller, Morgan, Vanderbilt, Pulitzer, and Baker built very fancy, quote, cottages as like their homes right. outside of the club. The last one to be built was Villa Mariana, and it was the last of 18 cottages to be built, and it finished in 1928. Wow. So the club thrived throughout the 1930s, but obviously things going on in the world took its toll. The Great Depression really shifted people's priorities. Half of the club's members kind of fell off. Yeah. However kind of the nail in the coffin was World War II, and I had no idea that any of this happened. And I've lived here my entire life and taken, like, two Georgia history classes in high school.
1: Yeah, well, also, did you take Georgia history in middle school? Yes. It was, like, a requirement. And I asked Zach if he had to take a Maryland history in his middle school, and he said he didn't have to. Is that just a Georgia
0: thing? Yeah, no, Joe said it wasn't a thing in Connecticut either.
2: Hmm...
1: Tell us if you ha- had to take a state history in, like, middle school.
0: We love our history here.
1: Except for, I guess,
0: this. Yeah, they left us out. And I don't understand why. This is, like, the biggest... I'm not going to say bomb drop. The biggest interesting <laughs> thing I found.
1: Oh, no. It's your firework for... <sighs>
0: I don't even like that in this story. I had, I literally I had no idea this happened. So, World War Two came around. Okay. And this was after Pearl Harbor. Okay. Which was a huge deal.
2: Right. Honestly. April 8th, 18,
0: 1942, a German U-boat fired a torpedo and sank a 9200-ton oil tanker called the Oklahoma. This was right outside of Georgia. Like this was on the Georgia coast. Oh, well. Wow. They had thought that the Georgia coast was safe because it gets pretty shallow and marshy. Mm-hmm. But this specific, like, I'm going to link the source if you're into war history. It was a very neat read. Um, but this specific <laughs> captain was like, I don't care. I'm going to find these people. And he did. So less than an hour after that, they sank the 8,000-ton SO Baton Rouge, And then the next morning, they sank a third ship, the steamboat SS Esparta, about 14 miles south of Brunswick. And they said that it blew the windows out of buildings on the Brunswick coast. Wow. They then sailed south into Florida waters where he sank four more ships before returning to his base. A total of... 23 crewmen aboard the three vessels that were sunk in Georgia were killed. And then the government ordered an evacuation of Jekyll, obviously because it was in pretty severe danger. Smart, But I had no idea that there was another attack on the U.S. coast, like, at all. I didn't
1: either. That kind of uh, slipped by.
0: Mind blown.
1: That is very, very, very crazy.
0: So they ordered an evacuation of the island with good reason, The club had actually closed for the season three days before the attacks, which is, you know, good on them. However, it closed and it never reopened. Mm. Many of the club's employees left to serve in the armed forces or work at the shipyards that were, like, almost built overnight. Like, people flooded to Brunswick to build shipyards so that they could, you know, participate in the army effort. Right. And it actually ended up helping being, Brunswick become, like, a big, like, lively city, yeah. like an established city. Without the employees of the club, they couldn't function anymore. Right, of course. Yeah. So it closed. The only people left on the island at that time were army troops who camped on Jekyll to man-watch towers, and also they used the club grounds for communications and dining hall.
2: hmm
0: there was kind of chatter about the club reopening after the war was over. Um, and maybe like reaching out to previous members, making it cheaper, making it more affordable. However, the state's revenue commissioner, Melvin E. Thompson wanted to purchase one of the islands and open it up to the public as a state park. Mm. So on June 2nd, 1947, The state purchased the island through a condemnation order, which I think is so ironic, for $675,000, or approximately $5.5 million. Wow. And that was in 2003, so that's definitely... More now. More now. And simultaneously, they royally pissed off the Maurice sisters. Yes. The club was... Eventually turned into a public resort by the state, but it closed in 1971 because it didn't make any money. No way. And then it was made a historic landmark in 1978 and restored and reopened as the Radisson Jekyll Island Club in 1985. The Radisson stopped managing the hotel later and it just operates independently as the Jekyll Island Club Resort. Yes. And that's the wild ride of how John Debignon, the grandson of Christoph, made this multi-million dollar club of I mean, the elite. He was like,
1: where's well, money to be
0: had here? He made it.
1: He made it. Um, but that is really interesting. I do like also how they call it a club in a clubhouse.
0: And this thing is a freaking monster. Well, it started out literally as condos. I know, but and still. And it's it's morphed, but it is huge. It's
2: huge.
1: It's a castle. It is. It looks like, I I told I said this earlier as we were walking through it, it looks like uh, Prince Eric's castle in The Little Mermaid. Um, and we didn't get to kind of really go inside. I kind of peeked inside, took a picture of one of the hallways that has like just rows and rows of mirrors, which was really pretty, um, but there were like. Twelve weddings going on at on Jekyll today. It was
0: very popular today,
1: um, and I didn't. We didn't want to disturb. No, the weddings. Um, but besides people getting married, <laughs> there's actually ghosts here that have names. How exciting! So exciting! And I'm gonna break them down for you a little bit. Okay. Before I start to getting into like people's accounts. Mm-hmm. So, like you mentioned, J.P. Morgan. One of the three mem- members, like i guess founding members right j p. Morgan, mm-hmm. who m- built the condos, yeah, he
0: owned part of the building,
1: right. he is one of the spirits that is supposedly wandering, okay, the resort, um because he enjoyed going out onto his like veranda, like his little porch area. And enjoying a cigar while watching, like, the river and, like, looking out on the marshes. Mm-hmm. Um, and supposedly he still enjoys that today. You can smell cigar smoke in the mornings. And um, I guess wherever his room, his, his family and him stayed, you can hear, like, footsteps sometimes. Okay. So he is attributed To One of the Spirits Haunting. The next one is General Lloyd Aspinwall, who was also a founding member of the Jekyll Island Club. Did you see his name anywhere? I got a long list.
0: Um, He was supposed to be the first president of the club. Hold on, let me find the wiki page. He was the first president from 1886 to 1887. He was the one who died very abruptly. Yes. So he
1: died unexpectedly. And then. Like before the club even opened. Yeah, it was super early, but it wasn't
0: on the property.
1: No. Um, but letters, supposedly letters dated from years later People writing letters from this club, like to family members and stuff, um, reveal that certain members had seen the general, hands clasped behind his back in a military manner, walking the riverfront ver- veranda at about dusk hmm. on September 4th, which is supposedly the day that he died. Like years later. Like he died on a September 4th, and then years later on September 4th, people kept seeing him. I see. So it's like, an, like a residual annual haunting, I'm guessing. Um, I don't know. I'll get into some accounts later. But he does come back up. People, staff have kind of confirmed in their own anecdotal way. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have Samuel Spencer which for my lisp is so hard. (laughs) You did it very well, though. Thank you. I worked very hard on my asses as a child. Um, He was the president of the South Railroad Company and a member. He each morning supposedly insisted on the Wall Street Journal be delivered to his room and it was his ritual to drink a cup of coffee while scanning the paper. In 1906, he was killed instantly in a train accident. Oh, geez. Uh, and for years, club members and hotel guests who occupy, occupy Spencer's room have found copies of their newspaper disturbed, like moved or folded. Mm-hmm. And their coffee cups have been mysteriously like poured knocked over or sipped on. Like there's been like coffee that like they
0: walk away. I'm going to be that ghost. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Like you leave coffee out. I'm taking a sip of it. Definitely. I'm taking a sip of your coffee and I'm taking a sip of your (laughs) Coca-Cola.
1: That's, that's the kind of ghost I'm going to be. Um, so he kind of guess like, it's like, Oh, you guys left this out here for me. Thank you. Um, and that's, that's who the third person is. Uh, lastly, there is an unknown male entity who is supposedly a bellhop in the 1920s. And he is apparently still working. He's an apparition who is dressed in the full uniform, like with a cap and the suit, whole butler garb. And he's been known to knock on the doors of newly married couples on their honeymoon. He also offers the groom a newly pressed suit before vanishing into thin air. Which I'm like, does the suit drop? Like, is it a real suit? Is it just like also an apparition of a suit?
0: I think it's more like
1: an offering, impression.
0: Not like me coming up and saying, would you like a suit? Not handing one to you and saying would you like a suit like asking if I can press your suit I don't know I read some things
1: like it's like actually handling offering a suit I don't know maybe it's just the wording they used but I read in places
2: what
0: an odd thing because yeah. like usually back then didn't you have to get like suits made I don't know I mean obviously I'm reading into this way too far and you can carry on to the story
1: <laughs> but that's a good question I don't know it was the 1920s, so I feel like you could just get. I mean, you got your suit, but then like you got it delivered to wherever you were staying, and they probably pressed it. That's not. I don't know. I don't know how t- hotels worked.
0: Certainly not ones that fancy where they press your clothes for you.
1: Right then or now, um, he also apparently appears on the second floor a lot and knocks on hotel room doors, um, and like people will hear like delivery, like a voice, like saying. Like, delivery, like, room service. Mm-hmm. But when they open the door, nobody's there. He is unnamed. He's got no name. So maybe I he's one of the
0: employees that drowned. Oh, maybe. That would be very sad, though. Is it buried... the 1920s, though? Yeah. Like, he's been seen from the
1: 1920s? He's dressed in, like, 1920s, like, a uniform. Oh. Because
0: they drowned in 1912?
1: Yeah, and I don't know if, like, the uniforms change
0: with the style See, we have a picture of this man
1: no hmm.
0: he's just an apparition
1: that's been seen but no photographs conveniently there's a theme maybe sh- people should do better I'm just saying anyway <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did get a lot of my information from ghosthuntingweekends.com who did a ghost they seem like people that hold like huge like ghosts conventions like many conventions like you can sign up and like stay at the hotel and they give tours and you can do your own little ghost hunting thing it seems okay we should do it one day one weekend it seemed cool um they did a youtube video where they kind of interviewed all the staff Mm -hmm. um and a lot the staff had a lot to say this is the longest video i found um and william
0: (laughs) This was the longest video of my life. Longest
1: video of my life. No, it actually had a lot of good interviews in it. And I do appreciate <laughs> them doing the leg like, work for me. Um, because there wasn't anybody around to ask our own questions. All the staff it's seemed true. very, very busy with all the weddings. Yes. But William, the front office manager told them that he and his staff hear laughter and footsteps along with lights that turn on and off by themselves he was once talking to a guest on the veranda and heard a loud they heard loud footsteps like walking right in front of them. Mm-hmm. And then like the footsteps went down the stairs, but there was nobody there in front of them. They both like kind of stopped talking and were like, "What was that?" And he even like went after the noise and like there's just it just kind of faded after a while. Weird. Very weird. There's also laughter in the courtyard, like a party is going on with a door slamming and people talking in muffled voices which i feel like that place is so busy like it could be
0: yeah people
1: around it's hard for those sorts of things to make sense when it's a still an active hotel
0: right cuz there are like you're going to hear people because there are people
1: right they're guests and they can be loud and inconsiderate of people sleeping at night so not yes. us where that's why we stay in airbnbs <laughs> So nobody can hear us doing this at one o'clock in the morning. Shh. <laughs> Sherry, an employee, also confirms these noises in the grand ballroom of people laughing and talking and says that people actually complain about it. Like we'll call down and be like, when is the party in the grand ballroom going to stop? They can hear people, you know, music and plates clanking. It's just Adam. Yeah, it's just Adam. Adam, (laughs) stop following us around. Um, And even, like, some people who walk by it at night smell cigar smoke. I guess people just smoked everywhere.
0: Oh, yeah. No, they absolutely did.
1: I mean, I shouldn't be surprised. In the 90s, they smoked everywhere, too. You could smoke anywhere. You just can't now. Don't smoke cigarettes. Um. Um. But the ballroom was closed for the evening. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the point. It's like, you know, people will complain, be like, there's no party down there. It's been closed for like hours. Someone spending the night in the Spencer room, like a mother and daughter, Mm -hmm. experienced an apparition of a man. Like, I guess the daughter was kind of young and she woke her mother up like, there's a man in here. And that would just scare the living daylights out of me if that was my kid. And so the woman the woman, shot up, but there was nobody there, which at that point would be like, go close your little eyes and <laughs> do not do that again. <laughs> we'll talk about this scary man in the morning. Do you want but... to ask
0: her if he's still there?
1: <laughs> well, I guess she said that it was. I don't know. They went and told Mike, an employee, the next morning, and he took them to the concierge desk who showed them a picture of the founders. Uh-huh. And the little girl identified Samuel as the man she saw in the middle of the night.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Why not the morning? Because he supposedly has got this whole routine. My he gosh. was just
0: waiting for them to make the coffee.
1: Yeah. He was like, hurry up with my newspaper. I need it. Come on. Gotta to know need- what's
0: happening in the world.
1: And then he was so shocked and dismayed they <laughs> vanished. <laughs> and he never showed up again. <laughs> Made him depressed. Um... William, the office manager, also says at 2 a.m. one time, he got multiple calls from the chef's office, and there was no one on the other line when he picked up. After this went on for a while, he got a security guard, and they checked out the office, but the chef's office was empty and dark. They actually had to unlock the door to get in. He went back to his office and sat down, and the phone rang again. Hate that. And again. There was no one on the other line. He said he eventually just had to unplug the switchboard for the night to get it to stop.
0: And everybody was pissed off that they didn't get their room service that night.
1: Right. <laughs> but would I be mean, it was 2 a.m. I mean, I would order room service at 2 a.m. But chicken tenders, chicken tenders and hotel pizza, little pizzas, personal pizzas,
0: the Red Baron pizzas that, you know, they are.
1: Yes, but they're still good. They're still good. Um, But I don't blame him. No. Ghost fucking with you through the phone.
0: That's one of those things. And why would he pick up? He knows nobody's in the room. Right. What are you saying? Hello? Like,
1: what if he's just getting, like, more and more more irate? Like, what do you want from
0: me? (laughs) I need to know what happens after I die.
1: (laughs) There is no God. Um... (laughs) But, um, but yeah, speaking of chefs, Carl, the pastry chef, in his interview, reported people saying that their hair has been pulled in the cafe. Oh. Yeah. Which is not nice. We do not pull hair, and we do not kick, and we do not bite. Ghosts are like toddlers, and we have to tell them these things, apparently. That's not the way to get attention. (laughs) I'm just saying. Um... He also reported one of his employees was alone moving through the bakery area, like the kitchen, the actual bakery Mm -hmm. part. And I guess the way he was describing it, I guess there's like two entrances, like side by side, like two ways you could get in and out of the bakery part. Okay. And she decided to take one part Cause there was like a cooling rack kind of blocking the other part, mm-hmm. and then she said, as she crossed to the other side of the bakery, she kind of turned around, and the cooling rack had gone from that one side that was blocked to the side that she had entered in, just a few moments before, and she was alone. So it sort of moved. I feel like you wouldn't hear a noise.
0: <laughs> That's where my brain went. I would like to know what that looked like. Right? Did it just appear? Did it float? Did it drag? I was assuming it just bam. It- Rolling
1: rack. I don't I don't know. It was like a big cooling rack. One of those like really large ones. I see. That restaurants have. You know
0: what I'm talking about?
1: Yeah. When they put like rolls and stuff on them. So I guess it could roll, but I feel like you would hear the wheels rolling.
0: It is a very nice hotel, so maybe they just have everything oiled up with Crisco really well.
1: That's true. You can, and I bet their nice bakery floors are very smooth not very like tiley like other places i've worked at i won't call them out um he also said another bakery employee was supposedly tapped on the shoulder and when she turned to look she saw the apparition of a hand like disappearing no no thank you (laughs) i would just try to grab those fingers right Right as they disappeared. No, no, you don't come
0: back. No, here. you would not. Don't even play.
1: I would run. Um.
0: <laughs> that would be the end of your hotel career. Yes. <laughs>
1: um,
0: Barb in HR. Ah, oh, Barb. Oh, Barb.
1: That's a, such an HR name. It is. It's perfect. Hope she stays there forever. Um. Well. <laughs> I hope she moves on. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> You know what I'm saying. Um, She said a guest was too frightened to stay. (laughs) And he, like, insisted they, like, bring his luggage to the new place he was staying on the island. And Barb and the office manager at the time, who was not William, her name was Kathy, apparently, um, were trying to, like, get him to say, like, they're like, oh, we understand, but why? And he said he was alone in his room. And he decided to take a shower. And while he was in the shower, somebody pinched him on the ass.
0: <laughs> That's
1: rude. Rude. We ask for consent every time. And um, he was so freaked out, he just ref- he got dressed and <laughs> refused to go back to the hotel.
0: What if it was just like the worst pinched nerve?
1: Right. Like, what if it was just like a little Charlie horse in your
0: butt? In your butt cheek. Yeah.
1: And you think it's a ghost? So <laughs> like you've heard all these stories. So you're like,
0: like you've had those twitches, right?
1: Yes. Or yeah. It was just
0: like a quick little spasm, and then and then it's done.
1: Right. It
0: might have been that.
1: I don't know. Or it might have been just like a randy little ghost.
0: A randy little ghost. Randy little ghost.
2: You know,
1: little cop of feel before you move on. It would be funny if it was a male ghost who. Like, was like, oh, this is a nice ass. And, and then he turned around and was like, oh! Oh, good heavens!
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Who knows? I'm sorry for this, man. We're totally making fun of your traumatic experience. But I'm glad that they were accommodating and didn't make you come back for your, your things. Yes. <laughs> Um, Natasha, a housekeeper. How can you argue with that? Either right. <laughs> like,
0: what are you going to say to that?
1: Exactly. Like, what are like, all you have? To, all you can do is say okay. Like, because you can't say that didn't happen, sir. Or like, I, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Our ghosts groped hey, you. handsy. Yeah. Um. Anyway. <laughs> Natasha, a housekeeper, said that she hears someone call her name out in the hallway while she's cleaning rooms sometimes, but when she goes out there, nobody's there. She also says doors will refuse to open. Like,
0: uh, I had that same problem on the boat.
1: Did you? Was it a ghost? No. Oh. It was just a really annoying lock. Oh, no, she says like even like even though like she unlocks it, she like she can tell that You know, that should have unlocked it. No matter how hard she yanks, they... It won't open.
0: So I'm going to say that's an old hotel. True. And my home is not that old, but our front door will not open in the summertime because it swells. True. And it legitimately... I have hung against the door before. (laughs) Full body weight against that door. That's a lot of body weight. No. (laughs) (laughs) It won't. It won't open. So there's not a ghost holding onto my door. It's just a matter of things swell up in the heat. True. And you're on the coast and things swell up and get humid. And I'm not just talking about human bodies. Yes. Other things. Doors do that as well.
1: Although it was very kind of like cold and temp, like not very hot today. And my fingers still felt a little bit swollen while we were there. I mean,
0: it's still humid down here. That's what I said when I came in yesterday. Like it feels like a cold Florida. Like you still have the humidity, but yeah. <laughs> you just don't have the warmth.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, that could be it. Or like with the 2 a.m. calls, the, the that ass is weird. pinching. Um, it could be a prankster ghost. That's also holding onto these doors until they can make you look ridiculous and then they open. She said that she thinks that it's the founder's or a founder's wife that's, like, calling out to her. Like, a residual, Mm -hmm. like, maybe, like, calling for the service, an employee or something. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what she thinks is, is haunting. And then the only other thing I have is the return of... Diane from Spirit Light Ministries Paranormal Investigation.
0: Welcome back, Diane. Welcome
1: back, Diane. She has two videos of the um, resort. But one of them is a very just quick end of their investigation video where they do a K2 meter, which keeps going off in the hotel as she's walking through it. They also have a session in a hotel room. And she mentions, like, so she's there with her regular group of people and then, like, two other people, Mm -hmm. like, guests of theirs that are also enjoying them on this investigation. And she's like, we've already sprayed ourselves. She's like, we're going to pray before the investigation. And then, which is fine. Um, I'm not laughing because I think praying is stupid. I just, you know, the next part was very bizarre. Um, She's like, we're going to pray. And then... We're going to, and uh, we've already sprayed ourselves with our special spray.
0: What is this, like a ghost bear mom? I don't,
1: I don't know. And then she was like, we'll spray you too. You you guys didn't get sprayed, but we'll spray you, spray you after. And then she just moves on to the prayer and I'm like, back up. What spray? <laughs> I'm assuming it's some sort of like protection. Like a holy water sort of thing. Uh-huh. But she never gives any details. She just blazes through that like everybody knows what the spray is. Were they selling it? I could not find their I could not find their website. this youtube this YouTube channel is over seven years old. Oh yikes. um they haven't done anything in years, um so I don't even know if they're doing investigations anymore. It
0: doesn't bode well for the spray.
1: yeah but i don't I don't know what the special spray is, but they used it. Before this hotel room investigation. They do some of the spirit box stuff. And they get like a few words. And then they get the word demon. Okay. And also hate Jesus. Oh. So. Thank God for the spray. Is that (laughs)
0: when she was like, you're probably talking about so-and-so. She's had it rough.
1: Yes. Okay, so you heard the video as I was watching it. Diane says this is connected to a woman they're called sheree and she was like that makes sense she's been off and sheree's like sitting right there <laughs> like, and like she's kind of like yeah like i've been feeling like something dark is attached to me but like the way she said it, it was like yeah that makes sense
0: <laughs> yeah no i thought that she meant like just listening and i thought she was t- saying like yeah sheree would be a demon she's been feeling a little off lately
1: right no like they're like doing this whole they say it's like a spiritual healing session. It's a ghost hunt. It kind of seems a little bit like a seance to me. Just from when I was looking at it on the video. Yeah. No, no judgment. That's what it just appeared as. Um, They also mentioned a spirit, but a spirit connected to Bill, who's another investigator. So it seems like there was a lot of spirits they were talking to that were not connected to the hotel that were connected to people in the room. Mhm. Which is interesting, but it's not what I'm looking for. It's a portal. It's a portal. It's a vortex. Um and Di- that's why I said Diane's Diane's some sort of medium, I guess, or like some spiritual worker to the other side. Um because she starts like really going into this demon stuff, and at one point, like, Bill has his his hand on Cherie's head as she's sitting in a chair, and they're, like, doing, like, a cleansing, which seemed like a low-key exorcism, and, um, keep getting, like, seven, and, uh, Diane described it as, like, she's like, oh, I'm seeing, like, a a demon that does not, has never walked this earth as mortal flesh, and, seven represents like it's seven heads. I don't I, I stopped watching the video after that because I'm not into that. Mm-hmm. I love horror movies and I love horror things. But like straight up like exorcisms and like doing all that stuff really makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> Just because I, I feel like that's a very dangerous thing to do. Yeah, no, we don't touch that. Um I think that like Saying that you're going to drive a demon or the devil out of somebody. Like, I don't think that demon just goes away. Yeah. Goes to someone else. Is my thought. So, just wouldn't want to be in that room. And I stopped the video because really, nothing they were talking about had any, like, connection to the Jekyll Island Club resort. Right. It was just like they happened to be there when these situations arose, Mm -hmm. which is fine. Um, Like I said, just not what I was looking for. Um, And that's it. I don't have any pictures. I don't have any, like, EVP evidence, really. It's very anecdotal. But there's a lot of people at least saying the same things. Do you know what I mean? There's a lot of people saying they have the experiences and... um, it's they pe- have, like, the same stories. Right. So I'm inclined to believe out of every everywhere we've kind of talked about, Jekyll Island Clu- Club is probably the most haunted.
0: Well, I would say it's the most specific.
1: Yes. The most substantial in what we've been able to gather.
0: Maybe plausible. Plausible. I could see that. I could. I can go with that. Because it just isn't fair to, you know, give that one a haunted title when there's literally the same amount of evidence across all of them right exactly
1: i think that it really helps it with the names yeah this yeah the details yeah the details are very like fleshed out where the other places it's really not right um except for Hollyborn has peg who at least did really live there Mm -hmm. so yeah that's all i got Still fun. So much fun. We've had so much fun. We've enjoyed ourselves. Mm-hmm.
0: I hadn't been to Jekyll Island before, like we said, so it was nice to see it. Yeah, we went to the beach,
1: Driftwood Beach, which I highly recommend. I found a very, very nice shell, and so did you. And you found a really nice rock, too. I did find a really cool rock. I'll put pictures of it on online yeah. if you care about yeah. it. On my personal account.
0: <laughs> no, that's fine. Um... Yeah, that was going to be my sage moment. Actually, was uh, the driftwood beach. It was super cool. Like I was expecting something, but I wasn't expecting, yeah, like a driftwood forest. Yes, very crazy. It was very yeah. It's just like very cool,
1: very eerie, but Mm -hmm. in a good way. It didn't make me feel uncomfortable or anything. It was just very, I
0: don't know, weird. And then we explore Jekyll and then we took a trip over to St. Simon's and we have some information on St. Simon's that we're going to talk to y'all later about. Yes. And had a good time at St. Simon's. So it's just, it's been a good trip. We stayed in a cute Airbnb in Airbnb Bre- and oh my gosh, in Brunswick.
1: Yeah. The Airbnb is very, very nice. It's very cute. It's perfect for what we wanted for a weekend away. Mm-hmm. We'll actually link the Airbnb For this episode, just because I think that if you're going to be going to Jekyll and St. Simons and you don't want to kind of fork out a fortune for a hotel room, this is like a perfect little in-between. You can go to both places. Yeah, it's like
0: 20 minutes either direction. Yeah. So next week we're going to be talking about, um, like I said, the St. Simons Island. We found a really cool place. Yes.
1: So you'll know where we're going (laughs) because there was just too much to to kind of fit St. Simon's into this episode. Right. Um, So you'll know where we're going, but you don't know exactly where we're going.
0: Right. And that's the fun part. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for clearing that up. Yes. So, yeah, if you want to send us any other suggestions, um, places to go visit, places to not even go visit just to cover on here, you can always DM us on social media or reach out to us by email at haunted or hoax pod at gmail.com. Um, and then if you want to just check out our website, yeah, and see all of our information on there, you are welcome to. That's haunted or hoax.com,
1: yes. And Jennifer's worked really hard on the, the website, <laughs> so go enjoy it, it's very cool, and she does a great job. Also, <laughs> we are hosting our uh candle contest still. And to enter, all you have to do is leave us a honest review on Apple Podcasts. It doesn't have to be five stars, um, but if you love us, uh, I'm just kidding. (laughs) You can say whatever you want. And then once you do that, take a screenshot and either DM us on social media or email it to the haunted or hoax pod at Gmail. Um, We are announcing the winner on March 1st. We are really excited for somebody to win the candle. I gave Jan- Jennifer her candle this weekend. And it smells delicious. So nice. So you really want to win it. It's limited. It's not going to come back. So you want to get this exclusive merch right now. So don't forget to review. And uh, we'll talk to you next time.
2: Yeah. Bye. Bye.